Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. This is a hot topic, and I've covered it before. In fact, I think I've even covered this particular case before. But these cases are all over the country, and they often get different results, which means that it'll probably wind up one of these days in front of the U.S. Supreme Court, who would then make a ruling and settle it for everyone. But Alexis sent me notes to Steve. Check out the article by Andrew Crocker and the Electronic Frontier Foundation. And they do great work, and they're often on the cutting edge of some of these constitutional law issues. Victory. Utah Supreme Court upholds right to refuse to tell cops your passcode. So you got a phone, and the police come in contact with you, and they somehow get a hold of your phone, and let's say they arrest you, and you got the phone on you. And they go, give us the passcode to get into your phone. Do you have to do that? Because it sounds like that might be asking you to do something you can refuse to do by standing on your Fifth Amendment rights. In fact, that's what most people think, but not all courts think that way. However, the Utah Supreme Court last week ruled that prosecutors violated a defendant's Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination when they presented testimony about his refusal to give police a passcode to his cell phone. And so here's what they can do. If you refuse to give it to them, They can then go into court and go, he's got bad stuff on his phone. We know because he won't give us his passcode. And that's the fallout that a lot of people don't understand or know about until you actually stop to think about this stuff. Because when you are told your Miranda rights, you've got the right to remain silent, you are also given the privilege of not having to testify in court. And a jury will be told The defendant does not have to testify. And you are not to draw any inferences or conclusions from the fact that the defendant didn't testify. That is their right, their constitutional right. So in the old days, and this is seriously one of the things that caused that to evolve that way, is that in the old days, a defendant would say, I don't want to testify. And they would actually put him on the stand and make him say that. And then they would present to the jury that, look how uncooperative he was. He wouldn't tell us all these things we want to know. Obviously, he did it. So then there was a time when some states said, okay, you can't force them to get on the stand if they're not going to testify. But you were still allowed to point it out to the jury. Hey, you know something? We had a trial here today. And during the trial, all kinds of accusations were made against the defendant, who just sat there like a bump on a log and didn't defend himself. He could have gotten up here and testified, and he didn't. So they had to say, fine, you can't make that argument either. (laughs) So you got to be real careful because this stuff has ramifications and, like I said, fallout from these kinds of decisions. So here, the prosecutor wanted to be able to present testimony that the guy wouldn't give him the passcode to his cell phone. So in this case, the court found that uh, if you had to tell the police your passcode, that would be the equivalent of testimonial activity, which is protected under the Fifth Amendment. And there was a, an exception called the foregone conclusion exception, which does not apply here. But apparently, the police and the prosecutor have been saying for years that it's called a foregone conclusion, that whatever's in that phone is something we would have found out anyways, or we've got it in our possession anyways, and, and, and simply giving us the passcode isn't really testimonial in that sense. The Utah court's opinion is the latest in a thicket of state Supreme Court opinions dealing with whether law enforcement agents can compel suspects to disclose or enter their passwords. Last month, the Electronic Frontier Foundation supported a petition asking the U.S. Supreme Court to review People v. Sneed out of Illinois that reached the opposite conclusion. 
Uh, as the EFF explained in that brief, courts around the country are struggling to apply the Fifth Amendment case law to the context of compelled disclosure and the entry of passcodes, primarily into cell phones or other electronic devices. The Fifth Amendment privilege protects suspects from being forced to provide testimonial answers to incriminating lines of questioning. So it seems straightforward that asking someone, what is your passcode, should be off limits. And the Utah Supreme Court had no trouble finding that verbally disclosing a passcode was protected as traditionally testimonial communication. Notably, there has been dissent from even this straightforward rule by the New Jersey Supreme Court. However, many cases, like the Sneed case out of Illinois, involve a less clear demand by law enforcement, such as just tell us your passcode or just enter it. See, entering your passcode is not testifying, you're just pressing buttons. Unfortunately, many courts, including Utah, have applied a different standard to entering rather than disclosing a password. Under this reasoning, verbally telling a police officer a passcode is explicitly testimonial, whereas entering a passcode is only implicitly testimonial as an act of production, comparable to turning over incriminating documents in response to a subpoena. But there you can see the real difference is a document is a document, and if it's subpoenaed, they get the document. But the passcode is something that's in here. And I've said that before, that one of the things I think they really ought to look at just as a simple test is, is the information here or here? And I'm pointing at my head for those of you who listen only. <laughs> but as we've argued, answering a passcode should be treated as purely testimonial in the same way that nodding or shaking your head in response to a question is. More fundamentally, the U.S. Supreme Court has held that even testimonial acts of production, like assembling documents in response to a subpoena, are privileged and cannot be compelled without expansive grants of immunity. And by the way, that's another thing they'll often say, is they'll say, look, we're going to ask you a question, and you say, I'm going to take the fifth. They say, okay, we'll grant you immunity from prosecution. Now tell us. And there are, depending on the situations, are ways that they can make you testify. And you can't say, well, I'm taking the fifth, because the fifth is you can't be forced to testify against yourself. But if you've been granted immunity, uh, there's no criminal case for you to worry about. And that's what often happens in front of grand juries. So grand juries, the ones that are quite expansive and, and have subpoena powers, will often subpoena all kinds of people to drag them in to see what they know. And people get in front of the grand jury and take the fifth. And somebody will figure out and go, wait a second, that's not really the person we're looking for. We're looking for their boss or their boss's boss. Let's grant that person immunity and get them to testify. And then you have a whole different situation. And a lot of people are going to ask, by the way, they go, Steve, if I'm in custody, let's, let's say it's, it's bad, you're in custody. I'm in custody. I'm sitting in a cell, cooling my heels, as they say. And they say, we want you to enter the passcode in your phone so we can poke through it. You go, no, not going to do that. So they leave you in the cell. What can they do to you? to force you to do it. Well, that's the whole point, is that you can just sit there like a bump on a log and uh, do nothing. And then it becomes a matter of wills. It also becomes a matter of whether the court's going to order you to or not. Because if the court ordered you to and said, you must give us this information, you can always say, no, not going to. And at that point, the question is, will the court then hold you in contempt? Because there are situations, and I can think of a few, where somebody had information in their head that a court thought they should be required to disclose, person said, no, I ain't going to tell you. 
And so the person sits in jail for contempt of court. And I've heard of people sitting in jail for months and months and months. That's not uncommon. Um, So a related issue has generated even more confusion. Whether police can compel a suspect to enter a passcode because they claim the testimony it implies is a foregone conclusion. That exception stems from a single U.S. Supreme Court case called Fisher involving tax records, a far cry from a world where we carry our entire life history around on a phone. Nevertheless, prosecutors routinely argue it applies anytime the government can show suspects know the passcode to their phones. Even Supreme Court justices like Scalia and Thomas have viewed Fisher as a historical outlier, and it should not be the basis of such a dramatic erosion of our Fifth Amendment rights. Thankfully, the Utah Supreme Court held that the foregone conclusion doctrine had no application involving a case of verbal testimony, but they left open the possibility of a different rule in cases involving compelled entry of a passcode. Fine, don't tell us, just punch it in. Make no mistake, Valdez is a victory for Utah's right to refuse to participate in our own investigation and prosecution, but we will continue to fight to ensure this right is given its full measure across the country. That is Andrew Crocker of the Electronic Frontier Foundation writing. So they get involved in these cases. Quite often they're following what are called amicus briefs, friend of the court briefs, where they are saying this is an extremely important issue. We want to make sure the court has every single good argument before it. We would like to file a brief. They get the right to file the brief. They file the brief, and the brief is one of the things that the courts then consider in looking over all of these different aspects of this case. This one is really the hotbed because every single person I know now has a phone that's got stuff on it, whether it's simply a call log of who you've called and when or who's called you and when, uh, photographs that you have taken, which would indicate that you were someplace if the photograph was taken by that phone, Um, also with all the tracking stuff done now by Google and the phone companies and everybody else, they can probably pull off there where you've been, literal, literal maps showing where you've been recently. So there's all kinds of information on there. And some of it might not be information that you yourself generated. Obviously, if I wrote you an email using my phone and I hit send, and then you responded and I read it on my phone, Those emails are on my phone. That's actual verbal communication of mine that they can get their hands on. But that's just the tip of the iceberg, the amount of information that's on your phone. There's more stuff on your phone than you're probably even aware of. But that's the point. Do you have to give that information up just because the police are asking for it? Uh, And are they not then asking you to, in essence, testify against yourself as... The Fifth Amendment says you've got the right to refuse to do. So Utah, I believe, got it right, but Sneed is the one we're curious about. So it will take the United States Supreme Court to take this up and make a good ruling on this once and for all. But as of right now, the Utah Supreme Court upholds the right to refuse to tell cops your passcode in Utah right now. (laughs) Alexis, thanks for sending it. Andrew Crocker wrote that for the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. Be your own friend. I guess that means I'm going out shoe shopping.